Hello, family. How are you guys doing? Um, I just want to first of all start today by thanking you guys just for your flexibility with the message. I know we're running a little bit behind, but we've been trying to kind of grow in this department of the electronics, try to figure out video, how to make it capable with the internet, and really we're just trying to meet the needs of the moment with the coronavirus and switching to no church today. But as we do that, we're really wanting to make sure that we continue to shepherd, continue intimacy, continue growing together, and continue growing towards God. Um, I also wanted to say that Tim and Angie have been amazing, and I've been so impressed, and I thank them so much because they, without them, it, none of this would happen. And uh, I just really appreciate them. So if you guys recognize them already as a gift, awesome. If like, Also, if you don't, just see that how much they help out. And as that, make sure to let them know how thankful you are for them. Um, I just want to open this up in prayer real quick. Lord Jesus, I just say thank you so much, even just as the worship has happened and that we get to be with you. Lord, I pray that even with my fumbling and my bumbling, Lord, that I might sound like a fool, but Lord, I just pray that your faithfulness, your glory, your words, your seeds would go to wherever it's supposed to be. I pray that your voice is heard, not mine. In your name we pray. Amen. So, um, today, we're talking still in our series about identity with Christ and God and how when we identify are identified by God that ultimately it also identifies God. And some of the things we've gone over is that we are his people. And as his people, he he chooses us. And as he chooses us, he takes us and moves us out of that place, whether we like it or not. And he's faithful to us. So it shows his faithfulness. But even going into last week, we are letters to be read. And so as he chooses us, as he moves us, and he's faithful, he's interacting with us. And as he interacts with us, it saves us. And we are miracles that are proof of him at that point. And his character shines through us. And this week, we're going to go into We Are Champions, where... We've been chosen, we've been moved, we're now becoming like him, but not only that, but we actually are being placed in a place to represent him and a champion. Um, I even want to start with an illustration that championing is a lot like the gym. I don't know how many of you guys have lifted weights, but on the first time you lift weights, it's heavy, it's it feels good in the moment sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, but the next day you're so sore. And you could judge that soreness and say that's as much as I could do, it's a struggle, it's hard, and not do it again. Or you can push through and continue to make gains and get healthier. Well, today's verse of the day is 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us and triumphal procession 
and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. One more time. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. It's really important for me to look even at um, just the fact of what the application of these words are and the definition so we're not just like memorizing information, but we can really understand. When we look at the word triumph, it means a victory or conquest by or as if by military force. It's also the joy of exultation of victory or success. The other definition of it could be to receive the honor of a triumph, which to celebrate victory or success boastfully or exulting. What is, in a champion, the definition of a champion is a person who fights or argues for a cause on behalf of someone else. It also means a person who has defeated or surpassed all rivals in a competition. As we look at this verse, even, we'll go over it again later, but, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So as Christ leads us, we step into victory. And as we're stepping into victory, his fragrance is spread everywhere. His, the knowledge of him is spread everywhere because it testifies to the glory of him. In that place, that is the centerpiece of being a champion, is that he's exemplified, He's victorious. And us being the champion that represents that continues to point and follow that into victory. But the question is, do we see ourselves as champions who have overcame? We've, we've been saved. We're being resurrected. We've, we're not the same people, hopefully, that we were a couple years ago. Hopefully we're not the same places with the same struggles. But the question we have to ask ourselves, are we champions who have overcame? And I think as we go into that conversation of starting to identify ourselves as champion, the real question is, what's the biggest things holding us back from stepping into being the champions to the people that we're called to be? And when we ask that question of what holds us back, what limits us, I think one of the biggest limits for most of us is judgment. The judgment of how we identify ourselves and how we re-identify ourselves. What limits we put on ourselves and how we deem things from our experience and where we've been. In Samuel 17.23 it says, As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words, and David heard them. Like, there's such a place, he's walking up. He's this big champion in every way. Everybody's like, woo, look at this guy. He's going to champion us. He's, he's rock. Everybody should be terrified. And then the other army say, oh, this guy's crazy. But the thing is, is like, David heard him. He was not shaken, but he could have been. There was a place where he was just a shepherd boy. There were soldiers everywhere. He didn't have a sword. 
He didn't have equipment. He came in with a sling and a rock. As it says a little bit later in that chapter, in verse 48, it goes on to say, When the Philistines rose and came forward to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle to meet the Philistine. David put his hand into his bag and took out a stone and slung it. And it struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead. He fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck down the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. So he ran and stood down the Philistine and killed him. Over the Philistine grasped his sword and drew it out with its sheath and killed him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their mighty champion was dead, they fled. In reality, there's all these things he could have judged himself for, limited himself based off his experience, based off what he was, based off what other people said he was. But instead, as God was bringing him and challenging and convicting him into obedience of even facing that and representing him, he stepped into it and he was the champion he was called to be. I don't know how many of you guys have heard the story of Gideon. I hope most of you, but if you haven't, you should read it. It's very good. Um, but even looking at Gideon and his judgments, right? We, what does he judge himself for? He judges himself for being small. He is afraid. He is separated. He's avoiding people. But then as God comes with the angel, he's like, you're going to be my, he, he calls him something else. He identifies him as something else. And he points him in a way. And as he's obedient with him, guess what? He's victorious. And he was made perfectly for that position. So as Gideon's judgments, if he had never stepped into it, he would have never actually learned the way God saw him, which would have set him free to participate with that. Philippians 3.13-14 through 14, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have my, made it my own yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In this place, as long as we're judging and limiting ourselves, we're looking backwards on what we already believe about ourselves. If we're not stepping forward into more of God and more of ourselves, where we're growing, where we're actually able to see more God, we're actually able to participate with more God, because we're still limiting it based off us rather than expanding it based off God. But really, this verse, as I look at these places, looking at Gideon, it's not that we apprehend it. It's not that we all of a sudden are at a place and we're able to do all these things. There's more of a place where, as we're being called forward, are we doing the best we can to perfectly step forward? Are we imperfectly seeking perfection? And that's that's an active step forward, not a passive one. And we get to really see God, and that's a real champion right there. When we look the Shulamite and her judgments in Song of Solomon, there's a place where he's loving her, he's identifying her, he's transforming her perceptions, her expectations. And as he's doing that, all she could hear was the judgments that others have placed on her, the rules that others have placed, and ultimately the things that she had settled within her own self. 
rather than stepping into even who he was calling her to be, which was that she's loved and that she's more than she thinks she is. She had settled herself just to being a servant, to just being a worker, a protector, and ultimately that she's unlovable. And there's a real place for a lot of us that we believe that our success establishes our significance. But ultimately, that's based off of the rules, expectations, and placements of others in our life. And those have given us so many different identities that are separate from the ones that God has called us to. And see, as God has called us, he's interacted us. He's defining us based off the ways he's interacted with us to place us into a perfect position that's allowing us to champion him where we are. Not where we're going to create ourselves to be, but where we are right now. There's places for you to champion him right now. Going back to my story, there is such a place that we forget. We forget the process. We forget what it's like in the middle of being met. As I said, I was grabbed out. I didn't choose it. But there was real things that I had to go through that I had all sorts of judgments about, all sorts of ideas about. And as that process went on, it took active decisions to choose God. It took active decisions to choose something new. It took active decisions to partner with better than I was accepting, which meant me choosing against myself. But as I went through that, I learned seven I learned a lot of lessons, but today I'm going to talk about seven lessons I learned of being a champion through my walk. The first one is you must be committed to rising above average and not accepting what others say is normal. What I mean by that is there is a real place for me that coming from where I came from, it was acceptable to be an addiction, to be hurt, to be in pain, to be in this place where you hurt other people and you use people and you really, things were about you. It wasn't about God. It was about comfort. It was about like being in as little struggle as possible and getting what you can get. And those are things that terribly don't represent God. They're not even about God. So if those are the normals that I'm evaluating myself through, I'm ultimately not resembling the flavor and essence as it says in that, it says that it spreads his fragrance. Does that sound like something that spreads his fragrance? I don't think so. And so as that champion, I step forward into that victory. There's a real place that it's going to call me into things that are above average, that aren't accepted as normal so that I could ultimately represent him. Because as it says, you know, since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. So in that place, there's a real place that me accepting what is normal and average can be the very thing that stales me out and doesn't make me make any active decisions that really represent God and where he's calling me. The second lesson was having a heart of a champion. Growing up the way I did, I look to be a champion in something, be it football, fighting, anywhere, like where I could be the champion. I had 
I watched stars like Mike Tyson. I looked at like people like Anderson Silva and watching even Tom Brady and all these sports where you see the champion overcoming and they step into their glory and there's a place that everybody's like, woo, look at how good they did. But I realized that that kind of heart of a champion was only exemplifying one person, the person who deemed themselves the winner of that fight. And I had to ask myself, is that, is that who I want to be exemplified? Am I the one who wins the game? Am I the one who's overcoming? Yes, I might have parts of obedience and parts of decisions, but there was a real place I had to realize that it, it's not me who can do those things. It's not me who is really overcoming. It's not me who is defining what the value and I'm able to go through. Ultimately, the heart of a true champion knows that God is his strength and empowers him or her to even greater victories and even more than they can believe in themselves, for themselves, just like Gideon. He couldn't believe that. He couldn't see it. But ultimately, because of the champion that was in him, empowering him, and the, the immense possibility that was able, he was able to face it. Just like we, we say we can't reach out, we can't touch people, or I can't show them the God that I've met. But ultimately, you have an impossible God who's living with you, who can make anything happen, even for the family members who you don't know how to reach yet. Know that God loved you, he reached you, and he rearranged those things. He's also going to do it for them. The fear of speaking, the truth is, is that we have to be honest with ourselves. If we want real transformation, we want to really exemplify God with that fragrance, the real knowledge. It's a place of honesty that we have to be. Honest that we're weak. Honest that we struggle. Honest even how real things impact us. Honest how much God is awesome. And how much some of the things that we've settled with are not. We have to be honest even with really how responsible we are with some of our decisions. And as we're really honest, the truth is that's scary. The weight of really being honest with yourself and it being illuminated and seen and you being seen and me being seen is scary. Those are, that's something that scared me. As I look at fear of what's happening or what people say is happening, in other words, I'm saying what I believe is happening and what I think is happening. There's so much of my life has been lived in reaction. I've been hurt. I've been abandoned. I've been afraid. I've been, like, so there's a place where it's like, what are they saying about me? What? Well, they're going to hurt me. Like, I better, like, I got to make this decision so I'm not hurt. That's how I've just, it's so easy for us to, just like failure, to choose to not interact with something just because we're afraid of failing. We're afraid that our value is going to go out the door. We're afraid that ultimately we are going to be deemed not lovable or not good enough after trying. And in that same place, as we look at what's happening and people's sayings happening, we, we let other people's narratives define us rather than God's. 
And there's a place that it, it, it deems us something else than champion. And God, has, he, he's already said that you're significant. He said that you're awesome. He showed it through his faithfulness. And in that place, it's that overcoming and partnering with that that allows us to testify of the same thing for the people around us. We fear moving out of our comfort zones. For me, it was terrifying to think of the idea that I wasn't going to have anything to cope with my emotions. I was going to have the power to just walk away. I wasn't going to have the place to protect myself. It, it was not comfortable changing things in my life. And it was scary whenever I was being called into a place that ultimately challenged me to choose God rather than to choose me. To say, I'm going to not protect myself, but I'm going to choose to exemplify God and honor Him. But that fear, that comfort, are not necessarily opposites. The truth is is that, that we do a lot of decisions based off fear that allow us to coincide with our fear and our comfort. And we have to see that as God calls us forward, sometimes it means us putting down both of those things so we can see what's best for us, not just what's enjoyable to us. I think one of the things when you live in survival mode, which is what I've lived a lot of my life in, is fear of the worst case. There's always the idea that the next shoe's going to drop, that something terrible is going to happen, that we're not going to be able to like deal with. So I'd rather be ready for somebody to hurt me, be ready for something to happen, than to be surprised. And ultimately, that's built off of the place that I need to protect me. I'm, I'm, I've been hurt. I'm not going to be hurt again. But living in that, I realize it's just been living backwards, living my life protecting it by the past, and it's held me to who I was. And as it's the worst case scenario every time, it means that I also didn't get to participate with the hope that's really meant for me. Which means that ultimately, I didn't get to participate with some of the best parts while I participated with those ways of fear. And as it was more scary sometimes to hope than to be disappointed. And the final one is fear of the known, when I'm talking about fears. And the fear of the known is those known experiences, those things you do know. Like, when people say certain things, it means certain things. When people act a certain way, it makes you think they're going to respond a certain way. Um, certain details about certain people, knowing that uh, this person gets to add to when you're late to dinner. Or that, like, ultimately, if you start telling jokes, Stefan's going to start laughing in the middle of it. And the fear of the known is saying that in this place, with what I know right now, that it's going to limit me in the future. This is a place I need to protect myself right now because it's going to continue to bring these things back up, back up whenever these things happen. But the crazy thing about the fear of the known is, is when we start participating in it, we make a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
which means we actually make these, those things happen in certain ways because we get so afraid, we start creating situations that aren't even real. And we recreate and put like masks on people or things or places that don't aren't even there to exist. And it's like, in some ways it reminds me of me and my friend, we were from California and we went back and Berkeley had been transformed. But all these memories, and it reminded me about a time of my own memories, that ultimately I had this idea that these things were still alive. The way I remembered it was the same. The way that it, it had certain rooms and it, the building looked a certain color because that was how I still remembered. It was still living in my brain. But when I saw the place, it did not exist anymore. It had been torn down. It was no longer there. And another building was there. That meant that in real world, a lot of these things that we fear about the known, they're only alive inside of us now. They're not alive outside. So really, the ultimate confidence and courageousness of a champion, even as somebody who is trying to look to go forward for God, is somebody that is only looking towards faith. And what do I mean by that? Ultimately, confidence and courageous of a champion is born in faith. Because as we take those steps in obedience of the things we are afraid of, the things that we don't know, the things that make us feel uncomfortable, as we take that step in obedience, it allows us to witness God, to participate with Him. And ultimately, His fragrance goes inside of us, changes us, and pours back out of us. The fourth lesson is, good is not good enough. So what I mean by that is as we grow into becoming more champions, we have these experiences, God is happening. We're having a renewed mind. Things change. But we also have to grow to want to do what is good to God, not just what's good to us. Because we accept lesser good things all the time. We settle for good. And that's that's not the sign of a champion. That's us settling for what we have deemed is good enough for us. But even what God has for us ultimately exemplifies him, releases his fragrance and his knowledge to everyone around us because they can look at us and say, oh, that's the goodness of God. But ultimately what's good to us from him always brings us to him. But there's all sorts of good things in the world that, might not be good for us. Might be good for somebody else, but not good for us. And we have to really be able to deem what those things are differently. Like, there's a real place that, for me, for a long time, I could look at a job, I could look, and I was a hard worker. I worked so hard, it helped me a lot. Money, good things. But there's a real place that, for one person, in one season... You could be working your butt off and supposed to help all these people. But in another season, what's actually good for you is to receive, to be poured into, to be cared for. And actually, as you continue to give, you're actually in rebellion. And it's not good. So something that is good can be misused to not be godly. Because not all good things end up being godly things. And as we seek to be champions that are representing the God that we've received, we have to fight to do things that represent him as what he's calling us 
not just what we deem to be good. The fifth lesson is we have to be willing to pay the price. Because we look, and one of the very simple things that a lot of people say is that the gospel is a free gift. And I 100% agree with that. We can't earn it. We can't do nothing about it. But without a doubt, for us to participate and believe it, we also have to give our lives. And so, it's like with anything in life. To be a champion, you have to do hard work. You have to put the effort in. And you have to struggle. It's, there's no existing without that. It's like, there's no getting past that. We can't avoid it. We can't think that we're going to get by with less than. The only way to the end is paying the ticket's price. The sixth lesson is God believes in excellence. One of the things I've been really impressed by with a lot of the people I've talked here is this is actually a, a thing I see with a lot of people here. Is excellence is here. But I think that Sometimes we settle for good enough, or we settle for um, just enough, maybe is a better way to put it. And for us to really be transformed, and for us really to exemplify something, it means that we have to give our all. There's no one foot in one circle, another foot in another circle. It's really like God wants all of us. doesn't mean we have to get in one specific way. But there's a real place, those limits in that place, where you just say, like, well, I did, I did say hello. I said, God bless you. Well, the thing is, is that, like, is that exemplifying the God that you've experienced? Is that exemplifying love? And we have to be challenged, even in the testimony that we are, that it's exemplified, not just within our words and our action, but ultimately our heart. And the seventh lesson, which is the final one, is to be a finisher. Because there's lots of great intentions, great hearts, and great starts. But unless we see it to the end, unless we see it to its victory, unless we see the end of the race, there's not a for sure that we get the prizes of transformation, softening our heart, freedom, in some of those places. And ultimately... Other people miss out because there's a reality that if we're really champions, we're really expressing that 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 fragrance in a way of what we've experienced, we might not just be releasing it. But the beautiful part, the beautiful part is God's so faithful that he keeps triggering us into a place to go, oh God, you're amazing. And as we do that, we're automatically releasing him. But as a champion... To transformation, there's a place for us to finish what we've started. And not only finish what we've started, but to continue to seek to be great finishers. See, God has chosen us, he's changed us, he's loved us, and he resides in us. And as he leads us, he wants your testimony in the family to be championed. You've experienced God, and as we've talked, you have a limited view of who you are. But God has an infinite view. And know that you are not limited by what you deem you don't have. But you 
are infinitely able because of who you do have. Because God is able. He's faithfully met you. And he'll faithfully meet those around you. I'm going to close this down in prayer. Lord, I just pray that this would hit people in the heart. And Lord, I just pray against any attacks. I pray against coronavirus. I pray against anything that would come against these places. But Lord, I pray for hope to build up, to spring up like a wildflower in our hearts. That ultimately, that we would not be defeated by fear, but we would step forward in excellence to remember that you have already been faithful, you will be faithful, and you promise to be faithful. Lord, you are infinitely able. And not only are you infinitely able, but you have carried us. And Lord, I pray that that would dwell in our own testimonies so that we could see that we're not just giving up for nothing, but we're giving it up for you, for the goodness that we received, for the treasure that's stored up for us. And Lord, I pray that our hearts could be changed to reflect you in that place. Lord, I pray that wherever we're at, you would continue speaking to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. I'll be reaching out.